And welcome to Catholics Coast to Coast, your chance to get a little closer to God in each and every podcast, as we've got them all available for you in Podcast Central when you go to EWTNRadio.net. I'm Ace McKay, glad to be back with you this week, and as we encourage you, we jump into On the Journey. They're exploring the practical steps that are involved in the process of sanctification by looking at what happens to us in our baptism. How exactly do we begin to break the hold that are unhappy? healthy addictions, attachments, and idols have on us so that we might attach ourselves more closely to Christ. We're going to dive into that now with On the Journey with this week's Catholics Coast to Coast. Hello and welcome to another brackish episode of On the Journey with Matt and Ken and Kenny. I'm Matt Swaim, Director of Outreach for the Coming Home Network. I was a, generally speaking, a Wesleyan fellow. Uh, Ken Hensley is Director of Pastoral Care. He was a Baptist pastor. Kenny Burchard is Director of development and he was a foursquare pastor in sort of the Pentecostal realm and here we all are in the Catholic Church and on the journey is this show where we talk about well how that <laughs> came to be and how we think of things now that we're Catholic and yeah what's different what's the same you can find more episodes including episodes in this particular series which is on holiness and happiness and our ultimate goal as Christians uh, by going to chnetwork.org slash on the journey you can also by the way, join our online community full of people who are all asking these questions together. Some of them are Catholic, and some of them are thinking about becoming Catholic. It's a great spot. Uh, that's community.chnetwork.org. And we encourage you to support this show by making a gift, and especially a monthly gift through our Compass program. If you do that, if you go to chnetwork.org slash compass and enter the code OTJ3141, we'll send you a copy of Marcus Grody's book, What Must I Do to Be Saved? which is extremely pertinent to the conversation we've been having during this series. So again, that's chnetwork.org slash compass. Enter OTJ3141 when you sign up for any kind of monthly gift. So, gentlemen, you ready to talk more about how to be holy? <laughs> I'm ready for Ken yeah. to teach us how to be holy. Teach me your ways, O Kenneth, teach of us. the House of Hensley. Yeah, and can you quit wasting my time? <laughs> <laughs> lead the way lead the way to holiness ken Ch chattering about our background and who we were no i'm, I'm joking <laughs> okay yeah um this series which we have to, which i titled turning from idols to serve the living god from first thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 uh this series that we're doing is a series on how we grow as christians the doctrine of sanctification and we're discussing this as Catholics, that is, how do we, now that we are Catholic, how do, how do we understand the path or the process by which we are transformed back into the perfect image and likeness of Christ from one degree of glory to another, as uh, St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 18? That's what we're talking about. All right, and I want to begin by quoting once again from the Catholic, from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 27, because I think that this just basically sums up, encapsulates everything we had to say in terms of theological presuppositions uh, before launching into the more practical aspects of, the, of this study. Here's the Catechism. The desire for God is written in the human heart because man is created by God and for God, and God never ceases to draw man to himself. Only in God will he find the truth and happiness he never stops searching for. Okay? We have been created by God. We have been created in God's image and likeness. 
And because of that, we are made for God, as it says here, created by God and made for God. And he's written, uh, the, the desire for God is written into our very hearts so that we will never find the truth, we'll never find the happiness that we never stop searching for, as Pascal taught us, except in God, that is in restored relationship with our maker and in becoming who God created us to be. Okay, that is where we started. Oh, wait, one more thing. Sin is about us taking this desire that we have for God and attaching it to something else. That, that's what leads us astray. We're attaching it to something in this world, and we begin to live for something else in this world, maybe money, maybe passion, maybe adventure, maybe sex. This is what leads us to disobey God. And so the path back to obedience and the path to being changed into his likeness is the path of fixing that desire that we have back on God and keeping it there. Anything else, gentlemen, before we move on? You know, this is all pretty basic textbook Christianity, the way that you're describing it so far. I mean, I'm pretty sure that mm -hmm. anybody who's who might write nasty comments to us later, at least they're with us to this point if they are a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord. That's right. That's right. For sure. Okay. Okay. Last week, then, what we did was following the story of the exodus of the children of Israel from their enslavement in Egypt, we began to discuss the practical steps that we need to take to be delivered from our bondage to idols, um, unhealthy attachments, addictions, all of these things that keep us from finding our deepest happiness in God. And, and I want to move over that again just very quickly. Step one we found is this, deliverance begins with prayer. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, we read the account of Moses at the burning bush. This is where deliverance began for the people of Israel. This is what we read. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their taskmasters, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, out of that land, into a good and spacious land a land flowing with milk and honey. And it's the same for us. Deliverance begins with prayer. Again, every Christian listening can affirm that without blinking. I mean, this is, this is basic textbook, bare bones level Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. All of us, all of us, I think here on, on the screen would say, you know, in our own lives, um, there came a moment in, in our lives where, where God moved on our hearts and we cried out to God in some way. We, we would all say that that's how the story began for us in some way. There yeah. was this very similar experience, you know. Yeah, saying, happened yeah, to me like save me. three or four times last week alone. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> It's happened to me three or four times today. <laughs> you know, and as they say, as they say in AA, if, if you're not crying out, I mean, if you don't realize I'm lost and you're not crying out, then you haven't hit rock bottom. You're not ready to be changed, really. And so that, that's an important point to make. Deliverance for us begins with prayer. Okay, step two, having come to clarity on this issue, that is that only God can deliver us, we must step out in an act of faith, doing whatever it is God's asking us to do. We have to step out. Okay, for the Israelites, this was the Passover. God said through Moses, slaughter the lamb, spread its blood over the doorposts of your, of your homes, cook the lamb, sit down with sandals on your feet, girt, I mean, you know, your loins girt for traveling, you know, ready to go basically at a moment's notice and eat the lamb. 
And this is the this is the lesson that I get. Only God can deliver us. Okay, we know that. And God wants to deliver us. That is from whatever it is that holds us in chains and keeps us from being whom God, who God has created us to be and who we want to be in Christ. Okay. God wants to deliver us, but God wants to draw us into the process. He wants us to cooperate with the work of his grace, his power, his spirit within us by trusting him and stepping out in faith, doing what he calls us to do. As soon as I say that, I always think of the blind, the man blind from birth, who Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Jesus is always giving people something to do, an act of faith, the step out walking in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, so to speak. Okay, we have to do something. This is how God has designed things to work in the natural world. And we see this everywhere. The farmer, I mean, I know you're not a farmer, Kenny, Matt, you're not a farmer. I'm not a farmer, but I know enough to know this. The farmer has to cultivate his field. He has to plow it up. The farmer has to plant the seed. He needs to fertilize it. He needs to tend it. He needs to care for it. And he does all those things. But unless God sends the sunshine, unless God sends the rain, nothing is going to grow. And the reverse is true as well. God can send the rain. God can send all the sunshine he likes. But if the farmer lays back saying, well, you know, I'm a monergist. I don't, I don't really believe in cooperation. And so I'm not going to till, till my field. I'm not going to cultivate. I'm not going to do anything. God has to do it all. Well, nothing's going to grow. This is how it is in the natural world. And what I want to insist here is this is how it is in the spiritual world as well and in our spiritual lives. As St. Paul wrote, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Cooperation is the word. And this is a key to understanding the entire spiritual life. I see you wanting to say something, Kenny Burchard. <laughs> My, the Pentecostal in me wants to just pull out a hanky and start waving it right now. Um, but I will say, you know, just in terms of this, uh, by the way, ha waving your hanky, that, that means you agree with what's being said in case you wonder. Okay. But, but, uh, you know, when you, you throw out the word monergism or monergist, you know, and, and so we have these theological words and concepts that we use to try to explain what we mean by things. And what you're doing here is you're saying in the biblical story, when God saves his people, part of the way he saves them is by inviting them to cooperate with him in their own salvation um, and, and to do something. You know, one of the scriptures I always heard when I was a young Christian from the monergist crowd, mo monergism, by the way, monos ergos, two Greek words, one works, is, was Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, salvation is of the Lord. And they'd say, see, only, only God is, is, is working in the whole process of salvation. He's the mm -hmm. only one that works because if we work, then we're being saved by our works. And so this whole system of theology that says that what we do isn't integral to the process of being saved has developed in many non-Catholic traditions. Synergism, on the other hand, which is something that Matt and I both ultimately landed in in terms of what we believed, um, soon ergas are the two Greek words with workers. So you have one working mm -hmm. in monergism and with workers, soon ergas in mm -hmm. this synergistic way that we are working together with God who is saving us. It's God who's saving us. It's like God brought the people out of 
the land of Egypt, but they had to leave. They had to walk. They had to, you know, have the Passover. They had to, and this is the word, the Catholic word is cooperate. And the Catholic phrase is cooperate with grace or with the grace of God. And you see this all through the New Testament. Um, it's, uh, it, it, I think of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. We, it says, are laborers together with God. Well, guess what? That's a sunergas is in there. We're God's co-laborers. And even in the way that he works in the, in my life, um, uh, Ken, in your life, uh, Ken and Matt, he works through people who are working with him. So for instance, in, um, second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20, it says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were beseeching you by us. Uh, mm-hmm. we pray on Christ said, ye be reconciled to God. So it just, it's, it's the biblical way of thinking. And when, when God saves, Amen. he does it, but we have to cooperate. And if I could just refer people to, uh, I mean, rather than we're only spending like five minutes on it here as step two, right? Uh, cooperating with God as an act of faith. Uh, as step two in this process. But if you want to go watch 17 hours of discussion on this very topic, we did a series uh, that uh, Ken and I worked on very early on. It's one of the first series we did on the, on the journey called A Damning System of Works Righteousness and how uh, this pattern of cooperation with God is actually throughout the Old and New Testaments. That's, by the way, episodes 17 through 34. So I'm not kidding when I say it's 17 hours of stuff in case you're you know troubled that we didn't spend much time on it here. You can go find some stuff. Well, thank you for that advertisement, Matthew. Thank you. Okay, step one then. No, thank you. So step one, it begins with prayer. Prayer. That's the foundation of the spiritual life. Step two is that we need to step out in faith and do whatever it is God is calling us to do. Step three. What is step three then? Okay, back to the story of the Exodus because we're using the story of Israel and the Exodus as our as the type and shadow of what is fulfilled in the new covenant. The Israelites prayed, step one, God heard their prayer. The Israelites sacrificed the Passover lamb, and they spread the blood, and they ate the lamb, step two. What happened next? What comes next in the story? Well, it was the crossing of the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, I'll read. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And all that night, the Lord drove. Okay, there's synergism. I just noticed right there, right? Moses stretched out his hand. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry land and with a wall of water on their right and on their left, the Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea, and we all know what happened to them. Okay, so we know the facts, gentlemen, the story of the Red Sea crossing. We know what happened, but I want to ask a a slightly different question. What is the meaning of this event? And here's how I understand the meaning of the Israelites' crossing of the Red Sea. I believe that the crossing of the Red Sea represents that point at which a decisive break is made with their past. Okay, this is the moment when their slave masters, Pharaoh, all of his horsemen, the chariots, his armies, when they are destroyed and the Israelites leave behind forever Egypt 
and their life and their lives as slaves in Egypt. In other words, for the Israelites, the way I see it, the Red Sea was the door from one world into another, from a life of slavery to a life of freedom. And guess what? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, St. Paul refers to this event as the Israelites' baptism, their baptism into Moses. I'm quoting, I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Okay, now, don't cut, cut, don't cut, in, don't cut in on me here, guys. Here I'm stuttering like a, like a madman, but that's because I want you to watch what's going to happen now, okay? Watch what's coming up because we're moving towards step three. So the children of Israel are baptized into Moses in the crossing of the Red Sea. This was a type of something greater to come. Because even though they were baptized, even though they were baptized into Moses in the, you know, even though this decisive break was made and God later gave them his law written on tablets of stone, by and large, we know that the hearts of the Israelites were not changed. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6, Moses looks ahead to a time when, and I'm quoting now, when the Lord God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you may live. Now, this little quotation that is read, it comes from a speech of Moses standing in the plains of Moab as they were about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. So, so, so God led them through the Red Sea at the beginning of their 40 years of experience in the wilderness. And even at the end of that experience, Moses is able to say, hey, listen, one day the Lord your God is going to circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your offspring so that you will be able to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It hadn't happened yet, okay? So this is Moses's promise of the future. And as we move forward through the history of Israel in the Old Testament, and we begin to read the prophets, we begin to find the prophets speaking more and more of this future time when God is going to make a new covenant with his people. And, and he's going to do for his people something that hadn't been done yet. Okay, the classic passage on that is Jeremiah 31. I have to read a couple of passages to you to fill this out, but stick with me, guys. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, where we read, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with them, with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it upon their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, I want you to notice here, notice that the new covenant that God promises in, in Jeremiah here, that he will make with his people one day, it's not going to be like the old covenant. It won't be like the old, where the law was given to the children of Israel on tablets of stone and which they broke. Instead, when the new covenant comes, 
God promises to change the very hearts of his people and to write his law on their hearts. Okay, so we're asking, though, well, how will this happen, though? You know, when will this happen and how will it happen? One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, which I think I've probably quoted 15 times over the course of 125, 124 episodes of On the Journey with Matt and Ken, is Ezekiel 36, verses 25 through 27, where we read some of the most amazing words in the Bible. Again, the context here is the new covenant, a promise of the new covenant. God is speaking through Ezekiel of what he promises to do when the new covenant is instituted. And this is what he says. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols, all your idols, I will cleanse you. A new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh, the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. And I want you to notice, according to this passage in Ezekiel, when God sprinkles clean water upon his people, when that day comes, they will be cleansed from their sins, their hearts of stone will be removed and replaced with hearts that are pliable, open to God. God will put his spirit within them. He will come to indwell them and to move them from the inside, they will become temples of the Holy Spirit, as Paul tells us in the New Testament. They will become temples of the Holy Spirit. And the result, well, we just heard it. The result, according to Ezekiel, is that God's people will have the ability and they will have the motivation now to live the commandments of God. I will put my spirit within you, God says through Ezekiel, I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes, to be careful to observe my ordinances. This will happen when God sprinkles clean water on them. And when will that happen? Through baptism. Which brings us to step three. Let me just state it and I, I'm, I want to hear from you, gentlemen. Step three is this. We must trust that in our baptism, we were given the grace of deliverance. The typology of the Red Sea was fulfilled in our baptism. And according to the new covenant promises, we have the power now to throw away our idols, to discard our addictive behaviors, and to live in freedom with God. That's step three. You know, as you're saying this, well, first of all, uh, you may have quoted that passage from Ezekiel about the stony heart being replaced with a heart of flesh 15 times on in on the journey with Matt and Ken. I think you've only quoted it like four times so far on, on the journey with Matt and Ken and Kenny. So uh, it's <laughs> okay. catching up to do. Got to even out the scorecard. But, you know, when you were saying that God's people will have the ability and the motivation to live the commandments of God, I'm like, you're just saying that's a roundabout way of saying they'll have the grace, <laughs> right? They'll yeah. have the grace to do it. I mean, this is a it, this gives us a, an opportunity, I think, to talk about, and we should probably just do a whole series on this down the road, how Catholics understand grace differently than than I think I any of us understood it in our particular traditions. I mean, I often understood grace as in, well, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own. Grace is the thing that 
gets you to heaven and keeps you from going to hell. I didn't necessarily think of grace as a thing that helped me to resist sin on a daily basis or, you know, brought blessing and favor in my life just in general, small and little ways. But that's the way the Catholic Church talks about it, right? And there's real grace active here in the sacrament of baptism that is in the in in baptism is most like what i used to believe about grace in general as a wesleyan hmm. mm-hmm. and that's great what i'm thinking is that that's that is good matt and what i'm thinking just to add to it there is you know i think about this phrase that uh, the founder of of uh, the coming home network marcus grody uses and we kind of adopt it verses i never saw before and of course i saw them but i didn't think of them as a Catholic would have thought of them. And, you know, this whole mm-hmm. matrix that you just laid out, Ken, where we where, where we call on the name of the Lord and then we participate and cooperate with God's grace, right? Those first two steps. And then third, we receive baptism. This is a cluster of things that belong together that that initiate and and begin us along this journey into holiness. And one of the verses that I never saw before that has all of those things bound up in it is in Acts chapter 22, where Paul is sharing one of the many, many times he talks about his conversion, or when it, one of the many times where his con- conversion is presented uh, in the Bible. And in Acts chapter 22, it says uh, that Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there, Paul saying, came to me and standing by me said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to every one of what you have seen and heard. And then here's the kicker, verse 16. Here's your your cluster. And... Now, why do you wait, rise, Mm -hmm. be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on his name? And all of these things belong together. Yes, yes, yes. Calling on the name of the Lord. We rise up. We take our, we cross the Red Sea. You know, like this is the way God saves people um, in in the Bible. And so it shouldn't be a surprise, you know, as Catholics that he just, uh, fulfill, fills that up, fulfills it all the way in Jesus. The way he's been saving people as far back as, as scripture takes us is the same way. It's just filled up in Christ. Getting a little closer to Christ through our baptism and letting go of those hurts, habits, and hang-ups. On the journey, you can not only check out the complete series of their How to Be Holy, but also catch future and previous episodes when you go to Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net. I'm Ace Wickane. When we return, Adventures in Imperfect Living is giving us a candid conversation and heartfelt insights as we delve into various strategies to address the challenges that we all face in seeking support from our faith community, engaging in hope, and also being honest with dialogue with our kids and how to embrace the sense of surrender and trust in God's plan. We'll get to that coming up after the break on Catholics Coast to Coast. If it's central to the faith, you can find it on EWTN Podcast Central, featuring the best of EWTN Radio, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free. The destination for great Catholic audio programming is EWTN Podcast Central. It's like podcast heaven. 
Visit EWTN.com slash radio slash podcasts today. Greetings, folks. My name is Greg Willits from RosaryArmy.com. And I'm Jennifer Willits, his wife. I decided that we would... uh, Or am I a coffee scientist now? I mean, look. Look at this beaker. Uh, All right, pour your your coffee and then you can explain it. So let's actually, uh, I want something to be drinking while you're doing this. Tell me. All right. Okay, that's good. And uh, so this is Jennifer's Mother's Day present from this year. She's been getting all fancy since she went on that retreat at Pachman Terrace. Uh, She bought like, I bought her like a little portable pour over thing. And then you were trying to figure it out then. And you kept, when you came home from Pachman Terrace, you kept wanting to do pour over. And so I was looking for a better, it was like a gooseneck water dispenser. That's what was going to be her present. Notice the lines. So if if you're listening to this, you don't get to see, see this, but basically what she's holding up right now is a beaker. Yep. That has uh, lines on it so that you can measure out the water and the coffee and everything it, else. It's in grams and milliliters because they're just so close to each other you, that you could use it reliably as either unit of measure. You know who makes uh, who who the, uh, this reminds me of every time you're measuring out coffee. A character no, from no, Breaking we, Bad. Someone we know. Well, yeah, oh. that too. Yeah, you're. <laughs> uh, I'm married to Heisenberg. Apparently, <laughs> no. uh, you can call me Jesse. Science. Okay. Um, but the uh, no, it reminds me of um, Father Dana Christensen. Uh, he was one of the first people that I knew that I remember when he came and visited us in Colorado one time and he told us that he not only roasted his own coffee, but he like measured out the grams. And I'm like, ah, that's a little overkill father. That's a little overkill. And now, you know, he's in heaven and uh, he's looking down at us and he's going, I told you, I told you. And so now here's this. Uh, we toast to you, so, father Dana Christensen. So yeah, may he pray, rest in peace. Pray for us. Father pray Dan, for us. Father Dana Christensen, pray for us. Um, it, let me taste it real quick. Yeah, it really is delicious. It's very smooth. Yeah, it, yeah you know, we. I'm not using a paper filter, which, you know, people go back and forth mm-hmm. on that, whether or not they use the, the metal mesh filter that oftentimes comes with new coffee setups. And I thought, you know, I'm going to give it a try because sometimes paper filters can eke out a little bit of that paper flavor into the coffee if you don't do a pre-rinse on that. And I thought... I'm just going to do the metal thing and, and just wash it very regularly and keep it nice and clean. And so it makes for a very smooth cup, very little to no bitterness, I would say. Even our 14-year-old daughter has an appreciation for coffee. She's like, Mom, this coffee tastes really rich, very rich. I was like, that, that was a very mature word to come out of a very young person in regards to a coffee review. The only thing is I don't know, I, I don't so, know how to make it. And I don't know. You're if I, probably good with that. I don't know if I want to make it because then I can ask my wife to for a treat every once in a while. Can I yes. have some coffee? The so, special coffee. You, you may have noticed uh, if you're a regular listener to the program. I, I decided to shorten the intro a little bit, and I'm not sure. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, you can send us some feedback. Feedback at gregandjennifer.com and let us know. I have been noticing as we've been editing uh, the video version of the podcast, as we've been doing that more, mm-hmm. and we it's like it just. You know, at the beginning of it, we're always making coffee and, and pouring coffee, and it's, a, it's sort of the same thing. And I don't know if, so I don't know. Some people might say, no, bring back the full song with the pictures of the babies. <laughs> we want to see you sit awkwardly and, throughout your own theme song and, for and video. I just kind of decided that I'd rather just start the <laughs> just, show. Just let's get right into the, and, the talking. And, you know, the, the part of the theme song was to help um, when we when we did that was to so that we didn't have to keep explaining we're a married couple we run this rosary army pasta da, 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 da. it was just like here mm-hmm. the song said it all so that we haven't had to re-explain it so I don't know I love we the shall song see. I love the theme song yeah but 
Hey, excellent. But you're here uh, with me as we don't have a guest. It's just you and I, and we're going to be talking, but we've been doing. All right. So here's the thing. We want to do kind of a talky talk with you. And we do have um, kind of a deep subject based on something that has been happening in our lives over the last few months that we haven't really talked much about. And we're going to get into that here in just a minute. And actually, I... I do. In just a minute, I, I have In just a minute, know, we're going to get into it. But, but you're going to get teaser. into it now. No, I can no, tell no. you're going to get into it now. No. You're going to say something that I'm going to want to respond to. Go ahead. We are going to, at some point in the show very soon, discuss how we are learning how to parent a yak. I'm very proud of this. Okay. A yak. I don't even know what that means. A young adult child. <laughs> okay. Is yak. How did to you parent just, a did yak. Did you just make this up? Not just in the second, but like in the last 20 minutes. I thought, oh, that's cute. You love, and you can't forget that. You love you love it if you can come up with an acronym. You yes. want, you, 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 I think it's one of your goals to make an acronym that will stick, like TGI yes. Friday stuck, right? And plus, it's it's a fun title because how often are you going to be searching I'm not gonna say on it, the internet for how, how do I control my yak? I, you know, that is a very contentious topic I, I, I on YouTube. Be. I won't be. <laughs> I won't ever. Okay. I, I won't ever use All that right, phrase. Fine. I don't. I don't like the acronym. So should we bring people up to speed on other things now? Well, just very brief. I think everything kind of is it, bringing them up to All speed right. is going to tie into everything. But go ahead. I I'm going to drink my coffee. Go I had ahead. An email I want to share real quick from uh, Robin, who heard us talking very briefly about pilgrimages a few weeks ago, and Robin said, "Just heard on the latest podcast about a possible Holy Land trip with select tours. I would be so excited for that." I wanted to go with our local churches last year, but it was within a month of our daughter's wedding and just not feasible. Really, Robin, what's more important? <laughs> going on a pilgrimage or a child's wedding, right? Uh, so I don't know when another local group will go, and I really want to. I'm scared to just do it with my daughter and I and a random tour company. I would feel so much more comfortable going with people I know, quote, quote, uh, or rather an online community I'm familiar with. Please, 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 she said. Emphatically, please, please, please. Okay, well, thanks, Robin, thanks from Robin in Pittsburgh. Because you asked for it, yeah, we will continue thinking about no, it. No, no, <laughs> no, I, no. we are. I, we really do want to make. A, I sent an email. More moves. And oh, I, you I, did. No, I've been trading emails with Matt over I at Select International. Did not know. You didn't uh, even tell me this. Well, what were you going to tell well, me? Well, because because the next bringing up to things that have been happening. It's why, the yaks. Why I have it. No, it's not just the yaks in our lives. It's just what's <laughs> been happening in our lives. There, there's a reason why I. I you I, can't remember to tell me things because I haven't been seeing you as much this oh. last week as I as I had been in the past. Yeah. So we are okay. working on it, Robin. Um, I, the big question, the first question that Matt asked me was, okay, well, where to? And I said, well, I think the Holy Land, I think the Holy yeah, Land, the Holy sure. Land would make sense. Um, and, um, that's the first, yeah, the debut for, for Rosier Army pilgrimage, yeah. you know, some, something might happen in between that for us personally as a family, but, um, in terms of us going as a group, it makes sense to the Holy Land and our, the church that we've been going to for the last couple of years uh, this morning, I saw the first pictures. That, that our pastor is actually on a pilgrimage in the Holy Land right now. Oh, I forgot and, about that. And just seeing, mm. the, we wanted to go so bad, but it's in the school year and everything. And yeah. we just so we didn't get to go on that trip. It was, so it was a lot of the same people that we went to Washington D.C. with for the March for Life. They're there. Yeah, I, oh. I think some of them. It's just sort of like oh, We're, that would have been that would have okay. been great. So that's fine. We will get yeah. our turn. Yeah. It just isn't yet. This is not our year. But I, but <laughs> the way that we're going to have to do it, and I think this is a little bit problematic. I think that springtime and fall are normally the are the best times to go. 
but I think we're going to have to do it like a June trip. So I would like to do it June of next year. I think, I think that we don't have any people in our family getting married. Um, no babies coming that we know of. Uh, and Lily will be out of her first year of high school. And you're, and you're, I will be out of yeah, out of your first school. out of your first second year of high school. No, your second first year of high school. That's what it is. This will be your second first year of high school next year because you're going to be working at the high school level, right? Yeah, it's going to be the second time that you'll have started high school for the first time. Oh, I guess now as a TA, now as a TA, not a student, right? Uh, but but I'm thinking next June would make a lot of sense. I don't really see a July because that just sounds hot. No, anywhere. July is always mm. rough for any. Family who has school age children, it doesn't matter what level. But July is the month of intense prep and readiness for that August start, which is yeah. affecting most people. So you got to stay away from July. So it's uh, got to be June. That that that's what we're looking at. So let us know if you're interested in that. And so and, keep and your I guess calendars the you, that you could let open. us know. Yeah, is I mean it wouldn't hurt like have some idea we may not be able to respond to you directly but if you want to drop us an email say i'm i'm in if you're gonna to go to the holy land uh with Rose, rosary army pilgrimage july or a uh, summer of 2024 um and you want us to like i don't have any automated form or anything so i'm just gonna if i get the email i'm just gonna move it into a folder and i'll mm-hmm. keep track of it that way um and so we'll let you know when that happens but if you're interested send us an email right now feedback at greg and jennifer.com and say i'm in um, it would be pretty cool to make that happen. I also want to thank Greg B who signed up over at Patreon and I want to you know bring that up again. That's fine. Thank you, Greg. Really thank do appreciate you. that. Um, that helps us directly. We are in the process of moving away from Patreon. Um, our hope is that in the next year or so that we can kind of just be done with it. But I think what's going to happen is eventually it's just sort of going to trickle down, trickle out. Mm-hmm. And, and we're doing that okay. intentionally because what we would prefer, uh, going forward, if you want to support the work that we're doing, one of the best ways that you could do that is to support the work of Rosary Army by going over to rosaryarmy.com slash donate. You can actually make a donation to Rosary Army and we're putting sort of all of our eggs in that basket. And we've tried to diversify over the years and have multiple irons in the fire. That was kind of a, something that was drilled into me as a kid, I think. And I'm just starting to realize that's not what God wants us doing. God wants us to go all in with Rosary Army. And so that's what we're doing. So Adventures in Perfect Living is a part of Rosary Army now. Catechism class is a part of Rosary Army. These are all efforts we're going to continue doing, but it's going to be, it, it makes it a lot more sense. We can share it with more people when it's under that Rosary Army banner. So if you want to support uh, through Patreon, that's fine, but uh, we're doing less and less direct stuff for Rosary Army, or excuse me, for uh, Patreon folks. So like the Discord is still there, but not as much activity these days. Uh, I'm not sending out any one-on-one videos like we were a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, that kind of thing. The The support that you give to Patreon is basically getting diverted over to Roshi Army anyway. So, so in a that. few months, are we going to be able to reach out to all of our Patreon supporters and ask them to sort of reroute their giving I've, we, in I've a new direction? That. I've already done that. Okay. I've, I've already kind of said, you can go ahead and do that if you're okay. on Patreon now. But see, some people have already signed up for a year on Patreon. Okay. Right? Yes. So if you have it set to automatically renew if you're an uh, annual uh, you might want to go ahead and say, you know, don't auto re- remove your your yeah. credit card or whatever from Patreon if you've already paid for the year, so that when it gets to, down to that end point. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, just remember to to do it. If you're going to switch over, just re- don't forget to switch over because we do still need that help. It's okay. it's we're we're this is a big trust factor. Uh, I mean, we had a considerable amount of our personal income coming in through Patreon, and we're basically saying, well, we'll just trust our um, our paycheck to come from Rosary Army somehow. 
it, but that means that if we're going to give up the Patreon, it has to, if Patreon is going to go down, then Rose Jeremy has to go up to make up for it. It can't just be a, um, Patreon disappears and Rose Jeremy makes up for the slack of it. That, that can't happen because we didn't have that money in the first place. Otherwise we would have probably been working full time for Rose Jeremy a long time ago. Okay. So there's all that. So, so here's, here's the thing. Um, we've had a lot of great interviews recently on the program and, uh, we've loved having the guests and we actually had several more planned and we still hope to get them on the show. But this past week, Jennifer and I had to make a decision to, uh, postpone and, uh, temporarily cancel some appearances, including, you know, we had the Archduke of Habsburg. We were supposed to, Edward Habsburg, we were supposed to. Edward Habsburg. Yeah, we were supposed to uh, interview him yesterday uh, for the yeah. program. And we will yeah. at some point. And it, and it just, it makes me sad. Because it's a great book. <laughs> it makes me sad that we're, we're having to do this, but our schedules are completely whopper-jawed right now. And part of it is Rosieremi, and part of it is is some stuff that we we haven't talked about on the program over the last couple of months that's been happening in our household. So we're kind of at a weird place in our lives. So we're longtime podcasters. We've been doing this for over eighteen years. So eighteen years ago, even our oldest child, who's twenty five, was what was that make him seven at the time, seven or eight when we started podcasting. Um, our nineteen year old son Tommy was less than a year old when we started podcasting. Our daughter Lily didn't come about until we'd been podcasting for like four years. Um, we'd been podcasting for four years before she was even born. So, and now she's 14 years old. So a lot's changed. When they were little, we had no issue talking more uh, with more spe specifics about things that they did, how it impacted us, how we react. And Jennifer and I are constantly having conversations about what, what should we talk about on, on the podcast and we're always asking the question, how does that benefit you, the listener? We don't want to just give a whole long laundry list of things that we've been doing or things that have been happening or what we you know, ate for dinner every night. Because quite honestly, I find that boring. But also, if there's not a takeaway for you, the reason why we do this show is so that you in your own adventures in imperfect living and your desire to grow in perfection and in holiness won't feel alone in doing it. And that maybe you can glean just a little bit of an idea from something that we say that will help improve things in your own life and help you in whatever it is that you're striving to do, whether it be to have better relationships with your spouse or with your children or to grow in holiness and closer to God. We hope that our discussions facilitate that in your own life, help, help you say, yeah, I want to be doing more of, of something, right? And sometimes that's indirect. We might say something that might make you go, oh, you know what? I never thought about. And then you go off on your own path. And that's that's why we do this. It's, it really is the, the, the whole purpose of all this effort is that you don't feel alone in growing in holiness. So to say that, though, as our kids have gotten older, we've had to really be careful in, of respecting their desire for privacy. And so at the same time, things that they do or that they're going through impact us. And so we can't separate what we do, the podcast and, and the ministry stuff and, and giving talks. And, and sometimes a podcast is a mini talk, right? We may not be giving it at a parish or, or at a retreat, but we're, we're giving a talk, a talk on something, right? 
And it is a matter of public record. I yeah. mean, it goes out there and there's no take backs. We cannot retract the words easily <laughs> um, once it leaves. Yeah. Once it, you know, we've hit send and upload and publish, that's it. And so we have to be incredibly careful and um, prudent about what we say. And out of respect for our own children, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and it's out always, of respect of them being. In many cases, adults or young adults. You know, it's what's interesting to me, when you are parenting young children, like school-age kids, um, definitely, uh, including high school, I would even say, even though it begins to kind of change a little bit at that level, but definitely at the elementary, middle school level, when a parent has to sign all the paperwork to get their child in either some kind of a school, whether it be public or private, there's always those questions about photo release and, you know, do you grant the school permission to release a photo of your child? And for years, I was like, I don't care. Sure, you can put a picture of my kid, you know. But be, as if the child has no say in the matter at all. It's all up to the parents. 100% the parent makes the call on what kind of privacy that child is entitled to have. And you get used to doing that for so long that when when they do get into those older years, you realize, I can't do that anymore. They are really separate from me. They were always separate from you, but they're really separate from you now <laughs> when yeah. they are, especially in high school and, and later and, and then beyond. Um, so the parent has to learn how to notice and observe those changes and try to honor where you are in that child's life. And start asking yourself better questions like, is this really good for the child? Is it, is it fair? You know, and I want my child to not ever feel taken advantage of or, or to feel like they have no control over a situation because I'm controlling everything as the parent. Or to be embarrassed by something. And, or, yeah, exactly, to be embarrassed. And so we are always learning these things because we are still parents of five children on earth. Now, yes, we are definitely in a different season and the the rules are always changing, even while we're trying to stand on stable ground. We're like, okay, maybe maybe we just need to take a beat and not react as quickly as we might have if we were a younger parent, you know, when you had to have immediate reactions to a situation to your child. Um, we're in uncharted waters. And you well, know and, and, and that's what I want that's what yeah. we want to talk about here because when they were little and we talked about what was happening with them or raising kids, it led to other ongoing topics. So having the children that we had led to us talking about natural family planning. When we were in that season of life, natural family planning was very important to us. And so we talked about it and we were able to help other people. We experienced miscarriages in that season of life and we talked about it and that helped people in that. Trying to grow in any sort of virtue or skill or or level of spirituality or anything in life it it naturally led to us talking about that so when when you know Sam and Ben uh, were younger well they still are on the autistic spectrum but when they were younger we had to talk about behavioral issues and those kinds of they became topics of interest to us that became topics of interest to many of you because you were experiencing similar things and now that what I'm trying to say is that that what was happening in our house, led to topics beyond just what happened, but ongoing areas of growth that we were able to talk about for many years over the course of many years. And that's what we're realizing is that we're entering into a new phase of 
of parenting adult children that's completely different than what you as our audience may have expected 18 years ago. We couldn't have talked about parenting adult children 18 years ago because we had zero experience and we weren't experiencing it ourselves. But I think it snuck up on us that even though we have a son who's been married for two and a half years and we have another son getting married and we've had I have a son that's been away at college for a couple of years, I think we haven't known exactly how to talk about the impact of this on the podcast in a way that's going to be beneficial to you and also respect their their integrity and their privacy. And so we, this is where what we want to talk about because a lot has happened in the last two months in our personal family that we feel like it's worth talking about from a Catholic perspective. And it's just, so we've been trying to figure out how to do that. And I think we have, and we'll get to that in just a second. Now, I have a question that literally just came to mind for the first time now, just in hearing you explain it the way that you just did. Your role as father has changed over the years as mine. It's not as intense, maybe, but I'm curious, the pressure you felt maybe 15 years ago when, when all the kids were little and, you know, they were growing out of their clothes and the demand for, you know, supporting the family of that size was definitely intense on you. You felt probably the weight of that on your shoulders. Um, how do you feel now? And that in that particular role of I have to provide for like such a large family. I mean, do you feel like in some ways there's been an easing okay. of that pressure? Well, and then that kind of leads to one of the things. It's like, yes, there's been an easing, except we've been caught off guard in the last couple of months when suddenly we've had child that kind of needed some provision that we weren't prepared to give. And that caught us off guard because we weren't preparing to provide food or clothing or whatever, you know, to some some people mm -hmm. in our family. Because we thought we'd move beyond that. And that was that's one of the lessons that we've learned. Now, going back to how I treated it as when they were younger, it was sort of like, don't let them kill themselves. Don't let them die. You know, don't mm -hmm. when they're really little, don't let them fall off the bed and then don't let them jump off the stairs and then don't let them, you know, moves on and on, don't wreck the car or whatever it is. And now it's and, and this was a part of it then too, but now it's even more so. Don't let them lose their souls. Don't let them don't let them have to struggle as much as we did in our young adulthood. That's yeah. where it is now. You know, Do I keep saying things that make you think of other things? Well, I I have to be honest. When I when when we were in the midst of the that kind of physical parenting, okay, when when the kids are like all 10 and under, it's a very physical demand on the parent. That was an excellent cup of coffee by the way. Thank you. For that. I'm so glad you you liked it. I because of my own immaturity and faith I was at when the kids were that age span, I was probably in my 30s and I just wasn't as informed in my Catholicism. No, and so I was so fixated on the physical, the temporal, that I I thought about the spiritual as much as I could think about the spiritual, but it didn't, it's nowhere near as deep as it is today. No, of not. And so it affected my parenting, what I valued, what was important to me back then. And now, at this age, in my early 50s, I'm far more concerned with the spiritual and less of the temporal. So there's been a complete inversion of those values. And so now the stakes feel higher. Before, the stakes felt high in terms of physical life and being alive, like you were saying, keep yeah. them out of the emergency room. So the stakes were there. But now the stakes are eternity. <laughs> 
well, you know, for each child. And there's some level of frustration, I think, for you know the resources that we had available to us as parents at that time. You know, you look back 20 years, and you have. I have a combination of frustration and regret. Why didn't we teach the kids more about X, Y, or Z spiritually? Why weren't we focused on things X, Y, and Z more spiritually? And then you can get angry at the priest we had 20 years ago. Yeah. Why wasn't he doing X, Y, Z? Why, uh, you know, so you can have all this, this, past this, re- is the past. this post-mortem regret, yeah. right? And that doesn't really solve anything. And you're like, oh, if only we had been able to do this, then this wouldn't be happening now. And we'll also tell you, and this is what parents need to tell their kids, you may fall far, far away from your faith. God will never stop loving you. I might stop loving you, personally. That's my weakness. I don't think I will, but we see humans are idiots, right? But God will never stop loving you. Even when you walk away from him and his son in the Mass, in the Eucharist, He'll never stop loving you. He'll never stop desiring. I said this to Ben the other day. <clears throat> I saw. I've read, it was, I don't know if it's Liturgy of the Hours or where I was reading it. You know, there are days where I say, Jesus, today would be a great day for you to show up and just bring us home. You know, go out there in the fields with the scythe and just you know knock knock everything down, burn away the chaff, and and bring those of us who are good and just. You know, give us the reward that we know we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> assuming that we all get to go to heaven, right? But I've read m- multiple times, and I know it's in Scripture, I know in, in these different readings of church fathers, God so longs for all of us that he's willing to delay that, to give us all that opportunity to return, even more so and even more strongly. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. It hurts, but Jesus, I trust in you. And, to, and, and I'm so glad that we recently recorded all of the total consecration prayers that will be a part of the School of Mary. I f- we, we did these prayers, and you, you can't see them yet, but you will soon, where we did the 33 days of preparation according to St. Louis and Marie de Montfort, but then we, we recorded videos after each day of meditating on these things. And, I've, and I do believe this was the strongest total consecration um, cycle that we ever went through. And more than ever, you know, here we've been running Rosary Army for 20 years. More than ever, I see Mary at work. More than ever, I see her at work. I see her role so strongly of how much she loves us. Well, understanding the adventure that is imperfect living. And if you want to check out more of that podcast, just go to Podcast Central at EWTNRadio.net so we can not only keep you in the know of previous, but also future conversations that can help to deepen your Catholic faith. That's going to do it for this week. I will see you back next week. And remember, again, you can share and download podcasts anytime at EWTNRadio.net. Until then, remember to let God be the one who defines who you are. And I'll see you back next week with Catholics Coast to Coast.